Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You have to be a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. Otherwise, I'm going to be up your butt every day. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time in the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it's Tuesday, December 15th, 2020. But you could be listening to this anytime as it's a podcast. The voice at the outset uh, was one of Dennis's favorite clips. That, of course, is Alderman Tom Tunney, 44th Ward. We will not, repeat, not be talking about uh, the cinnamon roll uh uh, speakeasy he was operating out the back rooms of his restaurant uh, at Ann Sather's. Uh, we'll hold that. Uh, we'll hold that conversation for a further time. Uh, instead, I'll read you a headline that will be absolutely relevant to the conversation we're having today. A headline from today's Sun Times, my beloved bright one, home delivered as always. And uh, here is the headline as the brown line roars by: Madigan Committee concludes suddenly fails to find wrongdoing. Rachel Hinton's story uh, in The Bright One, December 15, 2020. Uh, with no further ado, I'll ask my distinguished guest uh, to introduce himself, and we'll start the conversation. So, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Good afternoon, Ben uh, and Dennis. I'm Dan Mihalopoulos. I'm a reporter on the government and politics team of WBZ, the national public radio news station here in Chicago, and I've been a frequent guest on uh, the Ben Jarevsky show, uh, which I'm pleased to uh, join again today. Yes. Thank you, Dan. Uh, you're being a very modest when you just say you're a reporter. On our show, you're known as the bulldog investigative reporter. And then I do a my imitation of a bulldog gnawing on a bone. And that's Dan going after a story. Uh, the story we will be talking about is one. Yeah. Stay, uh, yeah ignore the bone. Stay in the story. Uh, is one that you and Dave McKinney, uh, BEZ, have been pursuing very diligently for months. And a shout out to Dave McKinney, outstanding reporter as well. And Tony well. Arnold, don't forget. He's and Tony a, Arnold. Politics yes. reporter of WBZ. And that, of course, is the ongoing saga, corruption saga, engulfing House Speaker and uh, chairman of the Democratic Party, one, Michael Joseph Madigan, or as we call him on our show, Mad Dog. Uh, gosh, Dan, where to start? I uh, will start with this. Under no circumstances are you allowed or permitted to gloat that the Milwaukee Bucks have re-signed Giannis and my <laughs> beloved Chicago Bulls will not be wooing him to town, okay? So that's an off-limits conversation, Dan, all right? Okay, so. no, no, no Greek freaking... Uh... <laughs> during this program. 
Uh, people may not realize this, but Dan is a huge basketball fan and loves uh, the Greek freak and uh, has turned him into something of a Milwaukee Bucks fan, if, even though he's from the Chicago area, grew up in uh, Chicago. And even though he should be a Bulls fan because of the freak, he loves the Bucks. All right, let's get down to business. No sports talk on the Ben Jarowski show at this moment. Where do we start? Uh, Dan, there's, I, I promised our listeners that this would just sort of be A to Z on Madigan. Uh, we talk about Madigan all the time on the show. Uh, and so I just, uh, why don't we start at the beginning and okay. just give folks um, a synopsis of what Madigan's in hot water for, and then I'll just follow you and we'll take it from there. So the reason Mike Madigan is in trouble is that the federal authorities have alleged there was a long-running scheme to influence him to win his favor that was perpetrated by Commonwealth Edison. This is obviously the power company uh, that's responsible for delivering electricity to 70% of the people of the state. Pretty much the whole northern third of Illinois uh, has um, a reliance on ComEd. And um, this is um, something that 4 million uh homes and businesses are affected by. And ComEd has admitted to uh, perpetrating this scheme whereby they hired a bunch of people who were close to Madigan as quote-unquote consultants under secret arrangements that they went to some lengths to conceal. Uh, and um, these people were, as I said, connected to Mike Madigan, uh, and they went on to not do much, if any, work for ComEd. Uh, however, during the period of uh, these consulting contracts that ComEd was paying with the ratepayer money that we all give them, uh, they won uh, a few pieces of very, very lucrative legislation, a uh, couple of which uh, ultimately led to, to steep hikes in the amount that we pay for electricity delivery and in the profits of ComEd. Now, we're at a point here where Mike Madigan has not been charged yet at least. We don't know if he ever will be, we should say, and he says that he did nothing wrong, that there's nothing wrong with recommending people for jobs. Uh, but we're at a point where somebody has admitted uh, in federal court that they were perpetrating a bribery scheme that was intended to influence Mike Madigan, but Mike Madigan has not been charged with taking a bribe. Uh, in the middle of all this, uh, he is trying to extend his record reign as the Speaker of the House. He's the longest-serving legislative leader in the history of the country, in any state. For 36 of the past 38 years, he has been uh, the Speaker of the Illinois House, and he has wielded uh, more power than even that title suggests, um, because uh, he really has a stranglehold on what can or cannot uh, be passed in Springfield. And this, uh, moreover, has led to him being the, the Democratic party chairman of Illinois for many years now. And uh, he runs a prosperous uh, practice uh, appealing property taxes for some of the biggest uh, land barons in the Chicago area. Some of the biggest uh, building owners in the Chicago area rely on him and his uh, firm to appeal their taxes, which we believe has made him very wealthy. Although much like Donald J. Trump, Michael J. Madigan has never released his tax returns. And no ex-wives uh, have leaked any of that to us either, by the way. 
Wait, time out. I missed that. Was it an ex-wife that leaked Donald Trump's tax returns to the New York Times? No, that's that just a joke? my speculation. Okay, all right. Just for the I, I mean, did I miss that? Um, that was a great riff, by the way. Yeah, there's been some speculation that that okay. was Marlon Maples. But let's stay focused. Let's on stay focused. Yeah, I know. I just caught me off guard. Sorry about that. All right, uh, a, 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 that was a, a good recitation of what Madig- what I call Madigan Gate is all about. That, and so let me ask this question. Get your response to it. Uh, I understand that uh, Commonwealth Edison put Michael Joseph Madigan's cronies on the payroll or gave them contracts. I understand that that was sort of the private public version of ghost payrolling where they were not really required to do anything in exchange uh, for receiving money. The other part of the scandal is what Commonwealth Edison got for putting cronies on the payroll. And this is the part that's never been clear to me. So help me with this. Uh, Is there... Would that legislation, those utility rate hikes, which were supported by Republicans as well as Democrats, I believe at one point they had to override a veto by a former governor, Pat Quinn. Would that would that legislation have passed? Had Commonwealth Edison not put the cronies on the payroll? Well, I mean, that's uh, pretty speculative. Um, We don't know uh, what would have happened. Um, we do know that without Madigan's support, I think it, it wouldn't have passed. You could say the Republicans supported it too, but they, they were far from uh, the majority. I mean, clearly the Democrats uh, during this time period have had, had a clear majority in Springfield in, uh, in both chambers. Um, and um, so, yes, there were other people that supported that legislation uh, beyond uh, Michael Madigan, but I think when you look at the documents in the case of Commonwealth Edison, uh, since Commonwealth Edison made that admission in the summer, uh, one of their former uh, top executives, their former top in-house lobbyist, a guy named Fidel Marquez Jr., pleaded guilty. Uh, four other former executives and lobbyists of ComEd were indicted last month, uh, including a very close associate, uh, probably the closest uh, friend in politics, if not in life, to Michael Madigan, it's a guy named Mike McLean, was among those four who were indicted. He was both a pal of Madigan and um, a uh, and a very um, influential lobbyist for ComEd in Springfield. But back to your point, um, in all these documents and all these cases that we're talking about here in federal court, they very pointedly uh, have referenced uh, two pieces of legislation, one in 2011 and another in 2016, and more recently, in the last indictment of those four um, ComEd uh, execs and lobbyists, they mentioned a 2013 uh, piece of legislation called Senate Bill 9. Uh, all of these um, pieces of legislation tremendously helped ComEd and their bottom line. There's no doubt about that. And there's no uh, coincidence that these are mentioned very pointedly by the feds uh, in, in the agreement with ComEd in the summer that resolved uh, the case against ComEd, as well as in the more recent indictment of of these four who are fighting the charges. These have been very, very costly for the public. You can make arguments and ComEd will that uh, overall it brought good things for the public that other people such as environmentalists supported this legislation. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, we don't know if the process was tainted to the point where things passed that should not have passed or would not have otherwise passed. We just know that they passed 
at a time when ComEd invested somewhere around $1.3 million in these ghost uh, consulting contracts and that um, the cost to the the rate paying public, meaning the customers of ComEd, is uh, some would say in the hundreds of millions of dollars and others would say in the billions of dollars. There are even class action lawsuits now that are trying to determine uh, just what that cost has, has been. And uh, ComEd is going to try to keep those legislative gains. And I'm, I'm not sure if they'll succeed in that, but they are making a very strong push to say that this legislation was really good for the public, actually, in that it made ComEd more efficient, for instance. And so there are fewer blackouts and power outages. So it's a very complicated topic. And that's, I think, the simplest way I could explain it. Yeah. And I'll just say this. Uh, this is me speaking, not Dan. Uh I would have voted no on all this legislation. I'm a lefty. And uh, I would have been against the Republicans. What's disconcerting to me is that so many Democrats vote for it. And that's the issue in terms of Michael uh, Joseph Madigan. In terms of the Republican Party, I think uh, people in in the state of Illinois should not overlook the fact that – Many Republicans, I don't have the exact count in front of me there, but many Republicans voted for it. Uh, they may not have gotten their cronies put on the payroll at Commonwealth Edison, but they should still do some explaining to their constituents as to why they would vote for uh, legislation that jacked up utility costs. If it's not, a, if the only reason it passed is because Michael Joseph Madigan had his cronies on the payroll, then Republicans have some explaining to do as well. Uh, but you know some Dan well, there's no sign though that they've been implicated in, in this scandal whatsoever. No, they just did it because they thought it was good giving Commonwealth Edison more money. They thought that was good for the people of Illinois. Yeah, so you're right. You're absolutely correct. One guy did it allegedly, allegedly, because his cronies were put in the payroll. I just want to hear from the Republicans why they thought it was such a great idea to raise utility costs. But you know what? Part of the problem, we'll get to it, uh, with the committee hearing is that Michael Madigan wouldn't testify. And instead of putting the Republicans on the defensive because he ducked and dodged and wouldn't go before that that committee, these questions aren't being asked of Republicans. Uh, So I just get off my uh, soapbox with uh, that one. Um, All right. Uh, You've read carefully uh, all the charges. Talk a little bit, uh, if you will, about the lengths to which uh, Commonwealth Edison uh, went to appease Michael Madigan or at least take care of his cronies, like some of the jobs that they found for people. And, uh, and it, uh, in, in all aspects, uh, even interns, as I recall, uh, right. talk about it, Dan. Yeah, the, the scam ranged from the internship program to the boardroom. So uh, as well as some legal uh, contracts that were very lucrative for, for a Madigan crony, uh, you had... Um, you know, a certain amount of, of internships set aside for people from the 13th Ward, which is Madigan's power base on the southwest side. And we see uh, emails and, and recordings and such and different evidence showing uh, the lengths that were, were taken to make sure that uh, the young people of the 13th Ward had a leg up and getting experience with the uh, state regulated utility for uh, power delivery. Uh, then at the other end of the spectrum, uh, there was a guy that Madigan wanted on the board of uh, Commonwealth Edison named uh, Juan Ochoa that I'm sure you've come across in the past. He used to be the head of, of McPeer, the, the agency that oversees uh, the convention center 
at McCormick Place and, and Navy Pier. Um, guy who's been around politics for a long time, and uh, that he was uh, apparently the beneficiary of uh, trying to please Madigan by by giving a board seat to Juan Ochoa. Uh, there was also uh, another guy who's very well known in local political circles in, in Chicago and in Springfield uh, named uh, Victor Reyes, uh, whose law firm apparently was going to lose a, a contract that they had with ComEd or was going to lose at least the number of hours that they had been getting uh, and, and therefore the amount of revenue they were getting from their work for ComEd. And, and um, uh, there was uh, intervention to make sure that uh, they were taken care of. And there's even emails that show that this was done to avoid uh, having a problem with Madigan. So Madigan's name was invoked uh, in saying that this is what Madigan wants is for these guys to have uh, more billable hours uh, than you're giving them. But the core of it really was these, like I called them before, the ghost consulting contracts. And we can go through some of them really quickly. You have former Alderman Mike uh, Zaleski from the Southwest side. Uh, a Madigan ally who uh, got one of these deals. You have former alderman Frank Olibo was the alderman of Madigan's own 13th ward uh, for many years, back when I covered the city council. And uh, there goes the brown line again, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> a couple other precinct captains that are really well known. Ed Moody, who was a recorder of deeds uh, for Cook County until that office was uh, basically disbanded just a few days ago. Uh, longtime Madigan precinct captain, uh, him and his uh, twin brother, Fred. Nice guys, very effective precinct captains. Um, 13th warders, you know, uh, at root and um, for many decades, working campaigns all over the state for Mike Madigan. And then, uh, you know, Ed Moody gets a deal uh, with, uh, with Commonwealth Edison for, I think it was um, $4,500 a month uh, to supplement uh, his county employment, his other public job. Uh, and um, I believe there was another precinct captain that named Ray Nice from the 13th Ward, who was also a guy that uh, retired from the county, started getting his pension, and uh, landed a gig for, I think, five grand a month with ComEd. And ComEd has admitted that all these Madigan people, some people call them, I guess, Madigoons, uh, although maybe that's a disservice to their uh, political acumen and their um, their street smarts and and their success on the political arena in this state, but these very very cl- uh, people were very very closely connected to Mike Madigan, uh, Ben, uh, who um, got these very very sweet deals with ComEd, uh, which again is a is a utility that's state regulated and relies heavily on decisions in Springfield that affect their bottom line and our pocketbooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a couple other names uh, that people probably remember, uh, if not in passing, if nothing else, if you could just go through and uh, explain their connection. The late Marty Sandoval. Uh, what's his connection to all this? A former state senator, Marty Sandoval. So we may never know what all his connections were because Marty Sandoval, uh, que pas descanse, may rest in peace, uh, died of uh, COVID-19 just a couple weekends ago. Uh, He was a very powerful state senator, head of the Transportation Committee. Uh, His office at the Illinois Capitol and I believe his other office in Cicero also got raided by the feds back in the fall of last year. It feels like an eternity ago. Uh, But uh, Marty Sandoval pleaded guilty, admitted that he took more than $250,000 in bribes. One of the the bribes 
um, or, or some of the bribes, $70,000 approximately of those quarter of a million dollars in bribes were uh, to do uh, the bidding of the red light camera industry. One of the uh, owners of a red light camera company uh, bribed him. Uh, but although the red light camera company claims they didn't know that um, and, and had nothing to do with it. Uh, but, you know, Marty Sandoval admitted all this stuff. Um, we don't know exactly how he may or may not have been connected, though, to the whole ComEd scandal. Um, we do know that um, when the feds raided his office in Springfield in the Illinois capital, that they were looking for information about ComEd, about rate increases, but they were looking for a whole, whole slew of things. I mean, this was a very, very long search warrant uh, when they raided Marty Sandoval's office. So we're not sure what all he was saying to the feds. He was seen by the feds, we do know, as a very valuable uh, cooperator because that was part of his plea deal. He hadn't been sentenced yet when he died because he was supposed to help them with other cases. But we don't know which cases those were. We don't know how his death might affect these cases. Uh, and finally, another name that we talk about a lot about on the show or have in the past, uh, Jay Doherty. Uh, mm-hmm. Who is Jay Doherty and what's his connection to all this? So Jay Doherty was the head of the City Club of Chicago. A lot of probably regular people don't know much about the City Club. And it's not really a physical location where you hang out. It's more of a uh, luncheon meeting that's usually held at Maggiano's in River North. Uh, over at, what is it, on Grand, I think. And um, they'll have this banquet hall and you'll eat uh, sort of Americanized Italian food, right? And, <laughs> sorry, I'm just saying that. I think I can say that as a Southern European. I think it's yeah. okay. It's kosher for me to say that. But, um, you know, while we're eating these lunches, which is fine, it's actually is, is pretty good. Uh, they um, have different speakers. You and I have been speakers. There some journalists have been speakers. Uh, many times politicians have been speakers, even Mike Madigan, who's famously reticent and coy and uh, not not uh, the greatest public speaker. I think it's fair to say he's no Barack Obama, right? Or, or uh, well, didn't Donald Trump go there once too, right, when he was uh, running for president? Um, it, it's, it's a debate society for the most part, but um, a lot of movers and shakers go there uh, and, and hear everybody out. And so what happens and how does it connect to this scandal? Well, the head of the the city club for many, many years was a lobbyist named Jay Doherty, as you mentioned. And so now you'll remember this this ghost consulting scheme, right? So you have these guys who are getting paid by ComEd because they're Madigan allies, but they don't want to just pay them and have to disclose that they're paying them and have them report as lobbyists perhaps or uh, their disclosures that the utility has to make of of payments that they make to – their vendors and their contractors. So to hide this, uh, allegedly, well, ComEd admits that they basically paid uh, Jay Doherty more than was due to him, and then he passed on. He was a pass-through for these ghost consulting contracts. But we should add that Jay Doherty was indicted last month and uh, is um, fighting the charges. Like all of the four former ComEd executives and lobbyists who were charged last month, Jay Doherty has... Uh, denied wrongdoing and, and pleaded not guilty uh, just a few days ago in a Zoom uh, arraignment. 
And I should point out uh, a, a joke that is frequently, it hasn't been used in a while, uh, Dan, uh, but I, I alluded to this, so I might as well just say it for uh, long-time listeners of the show know uh, that when I did uh, uh, go speak at the City Club, I was one of three journalists, uh, and um, Laura Washington was in the other. I couldn't get a word in edgewise with Laura. Anyway, uh, <laughs> when I just, that's my little, uh, how you doing, Laura? Anyway, what I did afterwards all over, Jay Doherty was so nice, he gave me a, a certificate that he had signed, thanking me for being uh, at the city club. And then shortly thereafter, the feds came knocking at his door with subpoenas. The story broke and you came on my show. And right, we broke the you, story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Dan, you broke the story. That's why you're on the show. And Dan was so kind. He autographed my <laughs> certificate that I got from the city club. It's the only piece of paper in the world that has both Jay Doherty's name on it and Dan's name. And the anyway, stories that, about this scandal have Jay Doherty's name in it and my byline, but uh, we yes, won't see uh, he's incidental proven guilty, right? That is correct. Absolutely. That is uh, absolutely the cor- correct for everybody involved. Uh, all right. So this uh, this is the uh, the ComEd scandal. Uh, Michael Madigan has not been indicted, but it's, uh, it's all it's swirling all around him. And uh, we had some hearings, and I have the hearings in quotes, uh, that were uh, took place in Springfield, uh, an attempt to get to the bottom of things initiated by Republicans. And we've been following this one with great delight. Uh, <laughs> Illinois politics, Dan, it is a piece of work. Why don't you explain to listeners exactly what's going on with these so-called hearings? Well, they're over now. Uh, what happened after ComEd made that admission in federal court in July is the Republican minority in, in Springfield and in the House uh, brought Michael Madigan up on, on charges of conduct on becoming a legislator and uh, forced the creation of a House investigation. But because the Democrats are in the majority, it was a, a Madigan ally who was put in as a chairman and two other uh, Madigan loyalists, I would say, who were formed the uh, block of three Democrats on this uh, bipartisan six-member committee. And so anything the Republicans have tried to do essentially uh, has been stymied because they can't get a motion to, to pass a, a majority of that six-member panel uh, to approve, um, for instance, a subpoena to Mike Madigan. Mike Madigan said, sent them a letter, said, you know, I'm not going to uh, to show up there and testify. Governor J.B. Pritzker, who of course is also a Democrat, uh, said that he thought that um, Madigan should testify, said today that he's disappointed that Madigan will not testify. But essentially, the three Madigan supporters on that committee, the chairman, Chris Welch, uh, Lisa Hernandez and Natalie Manley, they all, uh, all three, uh, basically um, suburban Democrats, uh, all uh, backed Mike Madigan very heavily. They are not among the 19 Democrats in the caucus who don't want him to remain as speaker. They want him to stay. He's among the votes that he can count on his side. And their three votes on that committee were extremely crucial uh, to turning that committee into, uh, well, uh, pretty much uh, a waste of time from the perspective of both parties, uh, albeit for different reasons. You know, the Republicans thought they could maybe have a, a, a um, an aggressive investigation there. And the Democrats said, you know what, this is a joke. That's what Chris Welch said yesterday. And the joke ends today. And they very 
um, bluntly. There's nothing subtle about it. You know, it's not like they said, well, there's no proof against Madigan uh, that we, that we uh, know about um, beyond what, what's been in the, in the papers and in the press and the federal investigation. Uh, they basically said they think that he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything that both parties would do. And, um, uh, you know, they, they thought that there was no reason to really keep digging there. Dan, I have, uh, I'm with uh, Pritzker in this one. I wanted uh, Michael Madigan uh, to testify at this hearing. I urged him the joke, of course, that he would never listen to anything I uh, suggested or advised. I'm sure he was waiting to hear what you said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dan, how much Chicago politicians take my advice. Uh, well, and you, know, you have his best interests. Huh? Yeah, I, I felt a good counterpunch would be in his best interest, and it certainly would be the best interest of the Democratic Party, my much beloved Democratic Party, uh, which could lose the state over this stuff. We'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I urged him to testify. He, of course, ignored me uh, and didn't testify. So I'll ask you this, uh, stepping back in as an observer, what is the what would a downside of testifying have been the risks of testifying had been for Madigan. Well, he's under federal investigation and, and he'd be under oath there too. So um, as far as we know, he's gotten subpoenas from the feds, but I don't know whether he's been interviewed or not. I haven't heard any indication that he's been interviewed. Um, and uh, right now uh, it's certainly beneficial to him that uh, Mike McLean, who's the closest person to him, who's been charged in this whole uh, investigation, is saying that, you know, he will never, as long as he's alive, flip on Mike Madigan. Uh, he told us that in an interview when we found him at a steakhouse in Chicago back in, in January, after his house had been raided, but before he was indicted. Uh, and he said that again, basically through his lawyer after the indictment. So if you're Madigan, uh, I think your your motivation here is to say, well, let the feds bring it, and why give them more fuel uh, by uh, anything that I might say beyond a carefully worded statement in um, this released to the committee, as you can be sure was lawyered uh, by by his defense counsel. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I get your point. In other words, there's a legal risk uh, to Michael Madigan, even if he uh, ducks and dodges and weaves and bobs uh, and uh, acts like, uh, what's the act? Al Pacino in Godfather 2, uh, avoiding uh, the uh, questions. Uh, there's still legal risk because he's under oath. Right. I mean, who goes out there and starts blabbing while they're under investigation by the feds besides, you know, Rod Blagojevich, Donald Trump, Roger Stone, um, Michael Flynn, <laughs> I mean, Oliver North. Uh, yeah, I guess there's precedent for it. But do, do you really think that a guy who's been as careful and as reticent to talk publicly about even legislative matters in, in open, uh, you know, government proceedings is suddenly going to become a, a media hound and fight this out in the media when he's facing a very serious federal investigation that could uh, that's already damaged him politically when we talk about his uh, conti- uh, being able to continue as speaker. Um, you know, it, it's very, very damaging to him politically, and I think uh, it could be potentially damaging to him legally. Uh, you know, you don't want to be a uh, public official, A, you know, that's what he is in this investigation right now. Uh, he is, it was all designed 
the ComEd scheme to influence and win the favor of public official A, which is a, an indisputable reference to Mike Madigan. You know, they don't put his name in there, but the feds say, well, the guy who has been the Speaker of the House of the state of Illinois for a very long time and had influence over whether legislation passes or not, you know, that's only one person. Uh, and I, well put, by the way. Uh, and here's the situation. Uh, Michael Madigan playing that old Michael Madigan game, as you just pointed out, where uh, he basically hides behind the scenes, the the wizard behind uh, the curtain, and nobody sees what he's doing. Nobody hears what he says. He just makes these phone calls to his caucus members and whispers into the phone. And uh, his only public uh, pronouncements are, as you just pointed out, press releases that read that read like they've been written by a committee of lawyers uh, does not work politically, in my humble opinion. It does not give a good view of the Democratic Party, to put it mildly. The Democrats did not do so well, Dan, you know this, you follow politics in the last election cycle in the state of Illinois. Uh, Judge Kilbride could not win retention, a state Supreme Court justice, fair tax, got crushed, went down to defeat. Uh, many of the Congress, uh, the Democratic congressional candidates who are running in the suburbs and downstate uh, either barely squeaked by or mm-hmm. got clobbered. And in almost every instance, the Republicans successfully mauled the Democrats by using Michael Madigan, weaponizing Michael Madigan against the party he leads. In my right. humble opinion, if the Democrats uh, know what's good for them, they would separate themselves from Michael Joseph Madigan and do it quickly so they can get on uh, to the business of trying to win re-election in 2022. In your humble opinion, where is this going? What will be the political fallouts of Michael Madigan clinging to his position and being supported by a good chunk of the Democratic Party? Go ahead. Yeah, he's still being supported by a good chunk of the Democratic Party. He doesn't have 60 votes. Those 19 don't look like they're going to bend. Uh, there's there's all sorts of talk about what happens at that point if nobody has the votes, you know, to, to use the uh, old line from Hamilton. He doesn't have the votes. Uh, but you know, a lot of times uh, people do not believe that something is over until it truly is over. And if you look at those three people, Welch, Hernandez, Manley, yesterday, those three state reps, um, and I know it's obviously just three of, of many members of his caucus, uh, but uh, they're, uh, you know, a big majority in the House Um Having said all that, and with all the statements against him from other people, like the governor, uh, to some extent at least, uh, you know, there's three people yesterday that really staked their political futures, I think, in a great measure on Mike Madigan surviving this and staying in power and uh, not being uh, in legal jeopardy either, because that would certainly uh, end... um, his career in Springfield. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they really were, I can't tell you, you got to listen to it. It was a, a couple hours, but if you just listen to some of the statements they made, they were not only trying to put a kibosh on this committee uh, for Madigan, they were trying to make an emphatic statement uh, of faith in him, you know, which I think is, is stunning given that he doesn't have the votes yet. And uh, he's public official A. 
Dana, this question has been asked of me, and I don't know the answer to it. I hope you do. If you don't, you don't. Well, I'll just have to do a little digging. But uh, as you pointed out, he, uh, Michael Madigan does not have the 60 votes he needs to be reelected Speaker of the House, uh, nor does any other Democrat, and nor does any Republican. So what happens if nobody gets 60 votes? Who runs the House? Do you know the answer to that? I don't know. To be honest with you, Ben, I've been more focused, I think, on the federal investigation and the ComEd angle and, and the Madigan's political organization yeah. uh, recently with some of my reporting. Uh, but I have been, you know, following it, uh, certainly. And and I, I do see uh, a lot of complicated uh, scenarios being put out there. So, so, some people were positing, apparently, that even without the votes, he just continues because nobody else has the votes. Uh you know, he got the, the vote of confidence from uh, the Black Caucus. And uh, one of the members of that caucus was uh, Chris Welch, the, the chairman of the Special House Investigative Committee into Mike Madigan, you know, the, the guy who, who, you know, killed the committee essentially yesterday or ended its its brief and, um, and that very active life. <laughs> uh, you know, my colleague Dave McKinney asked Chris Welch, you know, did you participate in the, in the, that uh, decision of the Black Caucus to um, for, for Madigan to remain? And he wouldn't answer. He did not reply to Dave McKinney, which I think is telling. Uh, but having said all that, no, it's not clear to me what what might happen here. Uh, you know, or if we'll have some sort of um, uh, some sort of deadlock uh, in Springfield that, that um, will affect uh, the legislature. Uh, for longer than than a short period. Mm. All right. Well, uh, it'll definitely uh, affect the Democratic Party. That's for certain. Uh, the longer this lingers, uh, the more damage it does to the Democratic Party. I have no doubt about that. Uh, but Dan, that's not a concern of yours. You're an investigative reporter. And no, you I, I am where you're coming from. I mean, you would think with a guy like Trump, who's vilified the state's largest city and who's vilified so many of the groups that are well represented in the population of Illinois, you would have thought that would be a blue wave. And as poorly as Trump maybe did um, statewide uh, in terms of, uh, you know, there was no, no doubt that, that the electoral votes would go to, to Joe Biden, um, you know, it was not a blue wave. Uh, down the ballot, there's a lot of people splitting uh, their tickets. Even, even Kim Fox, who won re-election, uh, did rather poorly in some uh, suburban areas of Cook County and, um, uh, you know, the difficulties that some of the members of Congress had in, in getting reelected against, uh, you know, poor candidates like, um, you know, Lauren Underwood against Jim Oberweiss, who's, you know, uh, lost so many elections. Uh, would it have been easier for them had Mike Madigan not been there? Could they have possibly passed the progressive uh, tax and avoided the the very difficult financial situation that, that Governor Pritzker was talking about today with you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in cuts because um, this uh, tax on the, the most uh, the, the wealthiest uh, three or four uh, percent of the population uh, was not passed. Yeah, I think there was significant fallout and how much of it can you pin on Madigan? Uh, I think it's difficult to quantify. You know, he's a guy who has kept a huge amount of power. Uh, without ever running for anything, really, except for, uh, at least before the voters, uh, except for this uh, state rep uh, seat in the southwest side, and I think it goes a little bit into southwest suburbs, doesn't it? So, you know, he's a guy who, um, 
uh, absolutely um, has um, has held a, a grip on power despite being, uh, according to polls, broadly unpopular among certainly Republicans, uh, but many of the majority of uh, the Democrats too. Um, no, we uh, uh, we had a, a representative, uh, Jamie Andrade, on the show, a defender of Madigan, uh, and he was already, already there's a split in a party where he was criticizing the 19 who were uh, taking a stand against Madigan. So it's already a divisive issue within the Democratic Party. I'll go one step further. You mentioned Kim Fox. She couldn't even win the 13th Ward. Michael mm-hmm. Madigan's home ward. She could not win Michael Madigan's home ward. And Marty he Quinn. He win it for her, supposedly. He's a committee man. Yes, correct. That, that was the point I was making. And Marty Quinn, who is the alderman uh, and a chief political uh, aide to Madigan in the 13th Ward, he didn't vote for Lori Lightfoot's budget. So I took that as a sign they were concerned about the police union uh, as a f- political force in the 13th Ward. And Clearly, Michael Madigan doesn't have the clout that he used to have, even in his own home ward. But he still holds it among many uh, Democratic legislators, Dan, uh, in Springfield. So, as you pointed out, you can't write him off yet. You can't write him off. All right, Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We'll probably bring you back. It's been too long. Uh, I think the last time we were on the show may have been right after uh, that. that, that incident you alluded to where you and McKinney were standing outside the, uh, right. the steakhouse waiting for a McLean to come out. And I joked that you were like the, uh, the Gene Hackman character in French connection who was waiting for the uh, French drug dealer. I'm not saying McLean's a French drug dealer. I just made the con- the comparison to a great movie. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's an expensive lunch. It's an expensive <laughs> lunch. But Dan was outside eating a hot dog. Oh, I didn't eat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sitting outside. Yeah. I did eat that day. All right. And when this pandemic passes, uh, you and I are going to make good on our promise to get in a car and drive to Milwaukee and see your beloved uh, Greek freak. See and, a basketball team. And see a great basketball game. All right. That's the great Dan Mialopoulos. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Right, Thank you Take so care, much. everyone. Take care, Danny. My pleasure. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.